Esquire. No, no, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> but we have Radicia Olivia Smith here. She is a dear friend of mine, first and foremost. She's a dear friend of mine, um, amazing educator. Currently, you're an academic advisor. And beyond all that, you're just smashing life and just kicking butt and taking names, for lack of a better phrase, you know? And it's just, when when I decided to start this podcast, I was like, the first person I have to have on this podcast is Renisha Olivia Smith, a.k.a. The Black Olive. You know, so tell me, Renisha, how are things going? What are you up to things nowadays? Are going, things are going really well. I am just working on a few projects, of course, staying focused on my career as an academic advisor and just how I can, you know, create more impact through that role at the college level and even in the community. And I'm always working on that professional development. And so right now I'm focused on matriculating into a doctoral program for technology and then you know working in the community with a couple of organizations just to help the youth because they are our future so that's what I'm up to currently just trying to make an impact in the ways that we can with our gifts you know absolutely it's beautiful work you know working with the youth is always with the youth excuse me is always beautiful work and being able to kind of like have an impact um, I, I heard you mention community, right? And the way I looks at it, you've always been a community inclined person, right? And so I feel like part of the reason that is, is because you empathize a lot with what's going on with other people, right? So what kind of like led you to that role of academic advisor and what led you to wanting to, you know, contribute to the community? I think that my love and just guidance towards this sort of career path has come from people helping me. I feel that I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today had it not been for people throughout the community, um, some within my family, pushing me towards just being better. Um, not all the time that people have the answers as to what I would become, but they knew that I had the potential to do great things. And so that's why I inspired to go back into the community, specifically the communities that I've grown up in or that have helped me to develop, whether that's here in the United States, whether that's um, anywhere else like Puerto Rico or you know other places who have given me opportunities to grow and um, create an influence. I just feel that I have to give back in that way because people gave to me. And so that's, that's my number one mission is to be that person mm-hmm. for someone that I needed in my journey towards who I am right now. And so I feel like that's why I do what I do is because I know that there's someone who will relate and someone who will take even a little bit of advice of what I say and apply it to their lives. And that means a lot, so. Right, right. So in a sense, you kind of like, you facilitate success, right? And I feel like you wouldn't know what facilitating success was if you didn't go through obstacles of your own, right? So you have skin in the game, so to speak. You've been there, you've done that. What are some obstacles that you face 
You know what I mean? Going down that road. Like, what are some things that kind of like you had to had to deal with before um, becoming who you are today and who you have yet to become, of course? It starts at the very beginning of my life, but I'll make this, I'll shorten it up. <laughs> so I was born <laughs> um, into a situation that most would call hopeless, mm-hmm. or you would have very small chance of being successful. My mother, she was very young when she had me. She was 16. And so that, of course, right from the very beginning, posed so many trials and tribulations. But she was able to overcome those things. And my father, he was facing issues of his own. Um, He was wrongfully accused of a crime. And so he spent the first 10 years of my life in prison. And so imagine my mom's 16, my dad's in prison. And so for the first 10 years of my life, I feel like we went through everything. And then um, my mom was able to just hustle her way to the top. I mean, she, without even her high school education, because she had to give everything up to raise me and my um, sister and my brother, Mm -hmm. you know, she had to raise all of us. And so she wasn't able to focus on her education. She focused on finding work. And before she even Um, graduated, she was able to get a real estate license and just like boom her way to the top. And what reminded me of that is this award right here where she became like a million dollar seller um, at one point in her career. And that's just off the strength of her just making it happen because she knew that the odds were against her. And so, like I said, from the very beginning, we had a lot of trials and tribulations, but Through it all, um, I've kept faith in God. Um, And my mom, Mm -hmm. of course, I seen how much she was able to accomplish. She always knew if she's that great and she didn't have all the resources that she's working to give me, I know I will be great, you know? And so I just kept my faith in that. Other than that, you know, I Mm think the normal challenges of growing up in a single parent home um, and just coming from a an impoverished city that I grew up in for the first couple of years of my life. And yeah. Um, but like I said, I've been able to overcome those things. So every statistic in the book, I feel like was against me from the beginning throughout college, being a first generation college graduate. Of course, I just mentioned my mom wasn't able to focus on school and no one before her really focused on school. They all went into like business and things of that nature, the more entrepreneurial sort of things. I was the first one to graduate. Right. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I interrupted you. Um, I was just going to say that, um, yeah, they were entrepreneurs and I was like the first one to focus more on education and setting our bar in that way. And so I've been able to do that, you know, just graduating undergrad, then from our master's program. So just setting the bar, using the resources that my mom gave me, I Mm -hmm. feel. Right, right. So, So for the first 10 years of your life, you grew up in a single parent home. And this, and you mentioned something that was pretty interesting, um, education, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always feel like, of course, you know, theory and practice are the economy. You know what I mean? Like you can't have one without the other. But if we kind of like water it down to low income neighborhoods, to neighborhoods that are that that have high needs, um, it seems it's as if 
they don't have the opportunity to educate themselves because they're in situations where they have to act, you know, like the only way that they can, the only way that they can educate themselves is if they act, if they take action to be able to do something. And I feel like your mother was kind of like, you know, a person that was challenged with, you know, let me take action now because I don't have time to educate myself. You know, and, you know, given the fact that she had to raise you and she had to make sure the family was okay, like, you know, what what other choice did she have? And she became successful. Right. And that leads me to kind of like think education, the state of education nowadays. Do you think that it's something it's a system that benefits people and encourages them to take action? I feel that education can be like a tool for mobility. It just depends on how you go about it. So for instance, like I don't feel that particularly getting a degree is going to make you more successful than someone who doesn't have one. I feel like it's the degree program you go into, your experiences while you're in college, your your networking skills. So I think it goes beyond education And I feel like even my own education, I don't think that's the only thing that has helped me be successful. I think it's those Mm -hmm. people skills, the networking skills, the ability to take risks, things of that nature, because you can play it safe and get, you know, just a degree. But that degree won't mean anything without the person backing it and believing in it and believing in themselves. You know, so it's just it's a piece of paper that says, hey, I'm I can be educated. You can teach me things. But it doesn't right, really, right. Um, you know, determine whether right. I would be successful or not. Right, right. And I think and that, and that leads me to, you know, that status I posted on Facebook. Well, the picture, the post. Right. And yeah. the, the person, the person that was in the post was kind of like, oh, I thought like that I would be celebrated more for having a Ph.D., but all I have is debt and and, you know, and just nothing really to show for it. And I, I think that's a, a situation that a lot of us millennials, I say millennials, right, are dealing with because we were always taught, oh, get your education, get your degrees, um, you know, make sure that you have all of your all of your education in order so you can go ahead and be the most successful possible. But for some reason, I'm starting to feel that part of that is a losing formula you know i feel like part of it is like i feel like part of it is like okay you want me to go get an education you've told me all my life that i should go get an education and that i would be all right and stuff but now i'm in a job market that's kind of like against me like i'm in Mm -hmm. a job market where i have to work in you know a low-paying job or a job that has nothing to do with what i studied to actually get along so where do where do all the years of of, of pain and, and sacrifice go, you know? Mm-hmm. So what can we do? You know, what can we do? What do you think? I feel again, um, a person has to really pursue things that really give them some passion within. So whether this person is celebrating you, whether you are failing, whether you are succeeding, you're happy because you know what you put in to get through that program and to get to where you are in life. And if it's not working out perfectly right now, it's just like 
their passion is going to shine through and you're going to find a way to make that work for you. But I feel that as a community, of course, we should celebrate it more. And as I stated on that same, you know, post, um, sometimes in my community, especially, we see more love for people that are coming home from jail or going to jail than we would for somebody that is coming home with a degree. And I feel that that is one, like some other people stated, because maybe people don't know the sacrifice you put in to get there. So it's just like, yay, you completed this. It has no real benefit to me, but yay, congrats. I mean, that's all I can really say to that if I don't know what you went through. Whereas someone who has been through that process, they can say, hey, this is so awesome. Like, what did you write about? What did you really like get into in your program? You know, they know the questions to ask. So I don't think um, that people in communities where they aren't being celebrated a lot mean any harm. They just don't understand the sacrifice it took to do that. Therefore, they can only be mildly excited. They're not going to benefit from any of the money you're going to make. So <laughs> why are they right, excited? Right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think that, that that expectation for excitement comes from like, Oh, you're going to study like, you know, what our, our people told us like, oh, you're going to study and you got to get this degree and you got to get that so on and so forth. And then you expect to come out as a champion. And it's like, like, oh my God, I graduated. <laughs> it, it's like, yeah, I'm done. And all you get is like that graduation and you get the streamers and stuff that come down. And then what? <laughs> and this is why I'm so like, look, we have to be useful. We have to find a way to give our grain of sand to the beach we call life, you know? We have to be able to kind of like figure out a way to contribute to society because it's the reason why we do these things. Like what if we Mm -hmm. just decided to keep all the knowledge to ourselves or just work in some far off place where you're really not affecting anybody or Mm -hmm. making a difference and stuff, right? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it it reminds me of a Lupe Fiasco lyric. And um, I I think it's in the song called The Cool. And there's a, there's a line that goes, oh, you gave me a baby, but what about lately? You know, it's like, yeah. you know, people be, people only are only concerned about what you can what you can produce, what your usefulness. And there are people who don't have a degree, you know, that don't have anything, and they mm-hmm. have been able to change lives over and over again. And there are people yeah. who have like the furthest, like the highest of degrees, and they, you know, they're not doing much, you know. Exactly. So So it has to be that clash between, I it's called the intersection between fruitful and fulfilling. Um, This was something one of my pastors Mm. talked about. Yeah, like like we're always in that um, intersection, or at least you want to be when you're living in your sweet spot. When you're living in your sweet spot, not only are you making some monetary gain from what you're doing, but it's actually fulfilling who you are and it's making you happy. And therefore, that's why it won't matter if anyone else is happy for you because you're like, I am doing, like, even if you're not doing it to the fullest capability or capacity that you would like to be doing it at, but like, if you're seeing yourself get somewhere with your goal, that internally is going to make you so happy. Even if you're not making as much money as you would like to with it, like in education, you know, we would like to make so much more money. But when I think about it, at the end of the day, I'm happy with where I am. I'm making a living. And I'm also doing things that really make me internally happy. And I feel like I'm making an impact 
I'm not just using my, you know, self or like, you know, working in a factory and no, you know, shame to that. But like, I feel like I'm not just like using my body, you know, my physical body to make money and to help somebody else get rich. Like I'm using my brain to influence and my knowledge and my experience to influence a generation of humans that are going to be my age one day and, you know, influence the next generation. So. Right. Right. And, you know, and one thing I've seen is this like, People are, I think decades ago, maybe Generation X or previous to Generation X, um, they would find jobs that they would stay in for years, you know, for decades. Absolutely. And it's changed now, you know, like we're moving, we can move from X to Y all the way to A within five years. And yeah. so I think that's kind of like that, that kind of like lets us know that people aren't passionate as passionate as they were about the jobs that they're picking. Maybe there's not enough, uh, you know, jobs to be passionate about. I don't know. Do you think but, it's passion that they had back no, in the I mean, day? Maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it could be options, too, you know. But I, I'm, I'm giving I, I'm thinking that the cultural, the values is like, OK, I'm going to stay in this job until I die. I'm going to provide, you know, and, and I, I don't think millennials think the same way anymore. You because, don't feel so stationary, I feel like I feel like uh-huh. older generations were very stationary, like they bought yes. a home. They like I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. build a family. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be here for 30 years and this house, I'm going to give it to my children and so on and so forth. And I, and I don't think that that exists anymore for better, or for worse. I don't think it exists anymore. But I see people now kind of like using their jobs as a means to an end. Obviously, we do because we get paid. But I mean, as a means to end to be able to build something that they can on the side. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the, the interconnectivity that technology provides nowadays via social media, email, all these these uh, communication technologies, so on and so forth, allow people to be like, okay, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a shot at a passion project that I have, or I'm gonna take a shot at developing a side hustle, or I'm gonna develop I'm gonna take a shot at, at, at just like you know doing some type of artistic project because I have I have the ability to expose myself. I have the ability to put myself out there and find a client base because everybody is online right have you seen that like with the people looking looking at kids looking at kids right because i know that you um work with a lot of children you know well well, all ages right um do you see kind of like that in children nowadays in adolescence yeah i feel that the entrepreneurial spirit is honestly booming with now especially we're gearing the minds of the younger generations to not just think of how can someone else elevate me in life but it's how can I elevate myself I have a whole I have multiple platforms where I can just get on it and I have access to millions of people you know pretty much the whole world you have access worldwide access And that's something that previous generations did not have access to. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, literally little kids can 
pick up their phones and go and watch people that they are really into and even interact with these people, comment on these people's pictures, you know, and sometimes that helps students. I mean, you know, kids rise to fame, um, just things like that. So I feel like they just have a different market and they're growing up knowing that they don't always need someone else to elevate them, that they can, if they try hard enough and make the right moves and, you know, use the platforms in the way that they um, can, they can, um, you know, profit off of these platforms. And I feel like they do. They are using them in a much savvier way than I think we did when we were younger. Their marketing is just A1, even when they're not trying. (laughs) Right, right. No, absolutely. It's something inherent. It's like they're born with it, right? Because they're They're literally born with a tablet in their hand. Yeah. Yeah. They're marketing sales, even if they're not marketing a product, they are so in tune with how to, you know, picture, how to take a picture of this and that, and they're just excellent at it. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, like, YouTube should should form, like, its own babysitting app, because YouTube has watched (laughs) so many children, you know, or children have watched (laughs) YouTube so much, you know what I mean? (laughs) Especially children of younger ages. But here's, check this out. I had a dilemma once, right? Uh, and I want to see, I want to kind of like get your perspective on this. I, I, I remember one day I was teaching, I was teaching, I believe I was teaching my, you know, I think it was a writing, writing class. And like the, the usual, the usual spiel is like, oh, you know, you need to be able to graduate so you can be successful and so you can provide for your family and, you know, so on and so forth, da, da, da. you know, the same spiel that they gave us. Yeah. Right. And so, you know what this kid says to me? <laughs> he says that he doesn't need education. He doesn't need, well, he doesn't need school because he's going to go viral and he's going to be a, a superstar, an influencer online. Mm. As an academic advisor, Renisha, what do you say to that? I would say I believe in you. I feel that... You can do anything. I'm not going to say you can do anything. I'm going to say that you have the ability within you to pursue whatever you would like, as long as you have the passion. Because if I force you or anyone forces you to go to college or to go to school um, and you do it begrudgingly, like you're not going to do it well and you're not going to find your passion. If your passion is YouTube, maybe you'll fail 10 times. But maybe it's going to be the 11th time where you're successful because you have passion behind it. If you don't have passion behind something, you get rejected for maybe the job or the internship or whatever. Then you're like, this definitely isn't for me. But if you're passionate about something and you fail at it, you're going to say, you know what? What could I do different? Like, what do I need to do different? What are the people that are successful at this doing? I need to kind of, you know, tweak what I'm doing. You're going to find a way because the passion is within you. I wouldn't force anyone to go to school. I, I would force them to at least complete high school. I would say, you know, this is the benefit of that. But beyond that, mm-hmm. go for it. Because college will always be there. If you fail at YouTube in right. five years from now, right. you decide you want to go to college, fine. But if you mess up your academic record, it's a little harder, efficacy-wise and just mentally, to jump back in that, like, once you feel like right, you're not. Right, right, right. So is, is going to college the answer? Renisha, is that the answer to all our economic woes? What's the answer? What's the answer? 
I feel that taking a step back as a society, first of all, I feel like we're pushing education because people behind these organizations are benefiting crazy like amounts of money, you know, from it. So that's one reason, of course, we're pushing it. Um, And I feel like the second, it's just become a norm, but that norm doesn't per se line up with the expectations and like the reality of the job market today, just how degrees are looked at today. So I feel like it's not the answer. And the answer would be to just let people live in their gifts. (laughs) If we stop forcing people to sit up to some standard, I feel that we would have some great inventors. We would have some great you know, painters maybe, but now our education and going into painting, that's like, why would you do that? That's not going to make you any money, but maybe we're missing a Picasso. Our Picasso is sitting behind a desk because that's that's what they've been forced to do by their family or otherwise. So I feel like I would like for people to be more authentically themselves. I feel like in today's society, because of so many things, because of standards, because of social media, because people are doing things to make others happy. They're not living in their gift. Therefore, they're, they're, I don't know that they'll ever be truly happy. I know that had I listened to other people and what they wanted me to do, I wouldn't be intrinsically happy in the person I am today. I'd be slaving away as a nurse at somebody's hospital. And no, no shade to nurses. It's just, I can't see myself really being happy. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. No shades and nurses, especially during this time, you know. Yeah, um, none at all. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think people, I think people would benefit from not seeing college as a pathway to success, but as one of the pathways to success. Yes, definitely, right? it is. Right. I, I feel like there are very there are multiple ways or multiple things a person can do to be able to kind of like be successful and be, but I think a lot of it has to do with like, oh, being perceived as uh, as successful, excuse me, as being perceived as successful rather than being successful itself. Because the whole idea was, oh, I went to college, I got a bachelor's degree, or I got even, I got an associate's degree, or I got a master's Mm -hmm. degree and I got a PhD or whatever, and here I am and I am super successful. It's, it's not like that, you know, and it goes back to your idea that passion and motivation are extremely necessary, right? You, like once you get like you're going into the doctoral level, you're going to a very high level of study now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be learning with people who are also, you know, dedicated to, to that high level of study. So what do we do? What is it, what is important? We have to make sure that we're passionate. We have to make sure that we understand what we're getting ourselves into. And that we're doing it for the betterment of the community rather than um, showing off. And you might want to stunt a little bit because I would stunt. You know what I mean? I would stunt. Mm-hmm. If I got a PhD, like, yo, I got a PhD now. You know what I mean? I'm Dr. <laughs> Santos. Excuse you. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, but I know that after In that, certain realms, I feel like, yeah, I would. Yeah. Like in academia, I would flex, you know, but, you know, of when course, I'm trying to relate to, you know, other people. You know, in other situations, I probably I try not to bring those things up. I try not to boast, you know, um, about who I am or brag about it unless I'm around people who also have similar. Kind of like the text I sent you guys, 
in the group chat. I'm not going <laughs> to say exactly yeah. what I said, but it's just like I can uh-huh. joke around with you guys in that way because Absolutely. you've experienced Absolutely. that level of education. Whereas mm-hmm. I couldn't text another group of people where they don't have those credentials because then it would be awkward. It'd be like, what are you trying to say? Like, are you trying to say you're better than us? You know, sort of thing. And I try not to make people feel like that. Of course, of course, you know, we, you know, of course, we, we want to be empathetic of other people's causes and situations and stuff like that. That's excellent. Yeah. So, you know, talking about higher education, right, you are an African-American woman that made your way to the island of Puerto Rico to study. And I know me and you have discussed before that people moving from like, let's say a small town in Indiana across the ocean to an island is something that's really not that common, right? Absolutely not. So what, what, what made it, what made Renisha pick up her bags, make a move and transform her life? You know, there's a there's several things. I'm just, um, of course, I'm going to make it short. <clears throat> I did. I don't yeah, think I've ahead. ever talked to you about this part. I had a vision when I was young that I was going to go to an island and change my life. I've always been kind of prophetic in that way. Never seeing my future clearly, mm. but seeing glimpses mm. of what was to be. Mm. Second, my mother, I don't think I've ever told you this. She lived in Jamaica. Mm, when I was really, really young, um, for okay. two years, yeah, okay. and so the islands. While I had never, li- I didn't live with her. I lived with my grandmother at the time, but like, so it didn't seem crazy. It's like my mother did it, you know. Why can't I do it? And she just went mm-hmm. there to live there, whereas I was going for educational purposes. So I was just. Like I, of course, I'm going to take this opportunity. It was an opportunity I stumbled upon just going to talk with professors. That's what I've always been about. Again, I'm passionate about what I do. So I'm always networking with people who are in better positions than I'm in and who have attained, you know, goals and things that I want to do. And so through just talking with some professors, um, one in particular, he mentioned Puerto Rico as a grad school option. And I said, let's go with it. I don't want to hear anything else that you're you're going to mention. It's a done deal. Let's do the application mm-hmm. and let's see mm-hmm. what happens. And that's the only Absolutely. school I applied to. And I got in. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 it's it's so odd because I think our friends, right, Willie and mm-hmm. Deron had more or less the same idea, right? And so we all converged in one spot. And this is not to mention our other friends, right? But those yeah. within the MAEE who we were close to, because I know you went and you began the master's program, and that's where you, you, you know, you, you uh, developed a relationship with us. And to have all of us in one place at one time was, yes. to me, I look back and I was like, wow, man, like, we have all these shades of black, all these yeah. backgrounds of black converging mm-hmm. in one table in a classroom at the same time. In those meetings, we just kind of like, yeah, it's divine, absolutely. And we just like yeah. kind of like exchange ideas and stuff like that. And it's not that we were special because 
you know, we 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 were black or anything like that. It wasn't that, but it was just like we had like the shared experience between all of us that made it so yeah. easy to kind of like connect with each other. And I was yeah. like, man, I look back at that. And I was like, that's that's like that's that's like a one in a lifetime type thing. It made all. me feel like I like family. Like I feel like that transformed my experience. Had it not been for you guys, I feel like yeah, I still would have enjoyed myself. But it was just like, yeah. I could really be me and I could really, you know, good or bad or ugly, you know, or good looking, whatever. I, Human. I could be me. Yeah, I could be yeah. me. And um, yeah. you guys, you understood that. And I didn't ever mm-hmm. have to come back to a situation and explain why I said this or why I did this. It was just this understanding. And I feel like that was invaluable. We could laugh about things and just talk about anything. Nothing was off limits, I feel. Yes, yes. So so much. We can talk about so much. And so you you came from, would you say the experience of coming to Puerto Rico was almost like coming to uh, uh, a foreign country, so to speak? Oh, definitely. Because, of course, Puerto Rico, because, you know, of course, Puerto Rico is part of the United States of America, right? Mm -hmm. But you coming from this corner of the US to this corner of Puerto Rico must have been challenging. <laughs> yeah, it was challenging and exciting and new and just crazy all in one. Um, what were some of the challenges you faced? I feel like from the very beginning, it was being calm about being in a new and different environment because everything about Puerto Rico from the way that it looks um, to just everything, the language, it was just different. It was just a different way of being. Um, The island runs on island time. Um, I was so used Mm -hmm. to demanding things be done now. And, you know, when that wasn't happening, right when I needed to Uh happen as an American, especially like where I grew up, we're about business in Indiana. Like we play no games when it comes to that. And right. Right. So, and Hila was one of the first Spanish words I learned because I had to be more. What was that? What, what was the word? Can you repeat that? Tranquila. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Tranquila. Tranquila. Right. Okay. <laughs> you cut out for a second. That's like why chill. I asked you to repeat yourself. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Right. The, the yeah, idea, so I feel like idea, that was one of the major. Right. Right. Like the idea of island time is is um it's fascinating to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Because having had like the reverse experience where I go from Puerto Rico to the US, it's like Wow, you know, here you have to be on top of everything. You will have to dot your I's and cross your T's, and you have to make sure that you're meeting deadlines. And it's something that I'm still working on to this day, you know, having to be on top of everything and making sure that people are getting what they want when they want it, because that's how the machine moves. And I respect the machine, you know, like yeah. I have to make sure that this that this is working out well so it can work out well for me as so, you know. So it's it's kind of like learning that the time kind of like we're we're working on double time and in Puerto Rico we have island time which is for better for worse I feel like it's excellent 
you know, you can mm -hmm. lay back, people aren't too fast. And sometimes when I need something, yeah, well, you know, I have to, I have to hold back and, you know, and, and kind of like take it. But I don't think Puerto Rico would be what it was if, if we weren't, you know, if, yeah. if we weren't tranquilo, if we weren't like, mm -hmm. you know, like, look, everything's going to be taken care of, tranquilo, we're going to handle it. Yeah. yeah the no, island of enchantment. Absolutely. That's why, why it's that, because it is just a different mm -hmm. ambiance. And so, while that was kind of a challenge at first, I grew to very, become very accustomed to that over time. And I grew to love it because it mm -hmm. made me stand back and relax. Like, I feel like all my life I was always so tense, high pressure, like, got to get this done, got to be busy, got to, you know, make myself right. feel important. And in right. Puerto Rico, I was able to step back and learn what truly being happy was. It's not having a fancy car or you know, Amen. being able to say, this is my title or, you know, I'm doing this. Uh -huh. It was like really being able to say, wow, like I'm relaxed. Like I, I, I'm living in the moment. I'm having a good time. <laughs> Even if I'm not having a good time, I'm living in the moment, feeling my feelings and I'm not pressuring myself to push forward. If I'm mentally not ready to push forward, if I need to process some things, right. I need to step back and process them. And I feel like that's what right. Puerto Rico helped me with is to not be so right. on edge all the time. Like, right. And you had deadlines and you had challenges and you had to make sure like, you know, the money lasted to the end of the month. You know, you had to make sure that, you know, that paper was in or that assignment was done or you corrected all of this and that and so on and so forth. But the island has a way of kind of like assuring people that things will be handled you know and of course you come to us yeah. it's different and i understand it is yeah. what it is it's yeah. different culture different time different place absolutely yeah absolutely. different and goals so, different motivations <laughs> like people here right they're they're centered around different things whereas they're right, not centered right. around other things yeah absolutely no right absolutely and so now you've returned to the U.S. And I know you've made a trip. You, you made a trip to the Virgin Islands, right? The U.S. Virgin Islands recently. And yes. I saw that you're doing your thing. You was up in the mountains and stuff <laughs> like that. Despite despite the situations, despite the pandemic, I saw you had your face mask on. You were doing your thing and stuff like that. You know, what, what how, and, and that, <clears throat> that makes me wonder, right? The visions of blackness that exists, right? And you being able to expose yourself to different types of blackness that exists throughout the world, you know, whether it be, you know, an American blackness, whether it be a Puerto Rican blackness, whether it be a Haitian blackness, a Dominican blackness, or, um, you know, a blackness from the US Virgin Islands. Which island were you on exactly? I went to uh, St. Thomas and I went to um, St. John. Yeah. St. Thomas and St. John. And so what mm -hmm. do you, what would you say? Obviously the obvious answer is like that they're all, that they're all black, but what would you say is the commonality between the spirit of blackness from each place? I feel like we're like cousins separated at birth. I feel like from the way that we dance to the way that we joke and talk about each other, you know, these things are common, like no matter where I go. Like when I first seen right. the bachata slide, I know this isn't in from St. Thomas, but when I was like with mm -hmm. you guys and I would see that slide, I'm like, this is crazy. They just turned our, um, what do we call our slide? We have a similar slide here, 
they just put a Caribbean, you know, twist to it. So it's like we literally whatever ancestral mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. is like deep within it's right. deeply rooted. And like no matter where we were dropped or you know where we uh, originated from, it's like that's within us. And it's like no one can get rid of it. No matter if you separate us, you know, put us millions of miles apart, it's like it lives on. And it may be a little bit different. You know, the swag might be just, just you know, a tad bit different, but it's going to be yeah. similar um, in a lot of ways. And that's how I feel, just like the way we move, um, the way we talk, while it may be a different, like, language in some places, it's just this this coolness about it. Like, that's what I feel like I love about Puerto Rico. The uh, Spanish that they speak there, it's like no other Spanish I've ever heard. It's like music to my ears because it's just like, it just rolls off their tongues literally. And it's so just smooth. And it reminds me of like an African-American dialect, you know, where it's just the words are kind of meshing together. (laughs) Like, you know, not all dialects are like, you know what I mean? It's just this coolness about Mm -hmm. it. And so it's so funny Mm -hmm. to me that you can make, a person can speak a different language or they can be in a different place, but that dancing and that speech and just, you know, even the way we walk and the way we talk and the way we dress, sometimes whether the person is on the island or they're here in the U.S., they could be an islander and a U.S. person because they look so similar in the way that they carry themselves. So I just found that we're so much alike. We're just in different geographical locations. (laughs) Right. No, I was just so beautifully put. You're right. You're right. We're, we're so much closer than we think we are, you know? Mm-hmm. And like when you see someone else who shares the same skin tone, it's like there's a there's an instant connection, you know? And mm-hmm. I think there's a, a shared idea of, you know, not only of the beautiful things, but of the struggles that we face, yes. right? And, and like that, that common that the commonality does exist. And I think that um, maybe that's something that has benefited you as an academic advisor and working with, mm-hmm. you know, those underprivileged populations like you, like we mentioned at the beginning, right? Like you are able to empathize with these kids, with these adolescents, with these 20 something year olds. And you can kind of like tell them, look, I was there. You know what I mean? I had the trouble. And you know, I was able to do it. And I feel like you can do it too. But you always mm-hmm. have to think. And this is one thing you taught me, right? Is you always have to think. You have to, how does it go? I love this quote. You know, I have all your quotes like written in a notebook. But one of these quotes, one of these ris- recent quotes, right? Are you have to, you have to feel to authentically do, right? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? And, and I think that part of your process in terms of relating to these children is feeling what they've been through. You know what I mean? Feeling the pain, maybe in different forms and stuff like that. And you're able to authentically work with them. Does that make sense or no? Or am I just like going off? Absolutely. No, you're Uh, so right. It's so crazy because even Mm. last week or this week, yeah, it was this week. I talked to a young lady. I was a little just irritated that day. And I'm like, like, I was like, what is wrong? Like the devil, like, why are you like messing with me today? It was just like things popping up in my mind about just these things I had went through in the past. And, you know, and I was just like, why am I even thinking about this? But the crazy thing is later that day, I talked to a young lady 
And she was going through that. And I'm, I'm like, oh, so it's just like I was feeling those things because I needed to feel them to be able to connect with her. And I said, you know what? Everything you're going through, it's so crazy. I went through it when I was your age. I'm feeling it right now today before we talk. So this lets me know that you'll get through it. It may be tough right now what you're going through, but you see where I am. Um, you see what you can overcome and just live in that. Let that be your peace um, that maybe you're struggling right now, but that struggle won't always last. And so, yeah, some, I feel like a lot of things I go through in my life, it's not just for me. It's for me to help the next person who may be feeling like they're alone or they're the only person that ever went through that, you know, so. Absolutely. 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 I, I think that's a testament to your ability to be a leader and to be able to kind of like add your grain of sand to this beach we call life, right? And so now, now, as we kind of like tie up the end of this episode yeah. and we kind of like move towards, and as we move towards the future, I want to kind of like, I want your thoughts, like what is, what is a great piece of advice that you can give to people trying to achieve or find some sense of clarity as per the direction that they want to head in life? I would say just feel, feel out what makes you truly happy and go for that. Mm -hmm. And never let anyone speak negatively over these things mm -hmm. that you want in your life. And sometimes your path isn't going to be clear. It's not going to be so easy for you to just, you know, success isn't a straight line. Sometimes it takes us on all these winding roads. But if you're passionate about this and you really want it, go for it. And if you fail, pick yourself up, figure out what you did wrong, learn from your mistakes and keep going because success is going to come after one of those failures. But if you ever decide to stop, you'll, it'll never come. So I feel that that's the most important piece of advice. Always feel out what it is you want, write it down, envision it, and just make steps, make a path for yourself every day to get there. If you're moving forward, even if it's a baby step, you're getting there. If you're not doing right. anything at all, you're on the decline to making that happen. Right. You're wasting time. Right. Time is something you'll never be able to get back. So always remember, even right. if you don't feel like doing it that day, emotions are temporary, actions are permanent. So right. make it happen because you'll thank yourself right. even in those times right. when you don't feel like doing it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Renisha, I think that's one of the things that really make you unique. You're able to find a really good balance between taking action and emotional consideration. You know what I mean? And you really have that ability to kind of like emotionally regulate and move towards, okay, now that I have my emotions straightened out, what's the next step I should be taking here? And so yeah. on and so forth. And I think that's something that really kind of like, you know, as far as a friend of you, you know, I've known you for maybe seven years now, you know what I mean? And hopefully going on forever. And it's just, I think that's one of the things that's kind of like always been an outstanding trait about you. And um, thank you so much, Renisha, for being here for uh, Santos Editing Podcast. You know, yeah. and I hope to have you again in the future, girl. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. It was a pleasure, bro. 
I'm I'll always Absolutely. look forward to doing things like this. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a lot of problems in the world right now, but yes. a conversation between me and you ain't one of them. Yes, yes. absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Thank you very much, Renisha. And no we'll see you next time around. Santos Editing Podcast.